If you'd like to open your Bible to Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it just goes and says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has uh, hath light with darkness, and what concord has Christ with Belial. This is, in what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? And this is, for you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, and I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is, wherefore come out from among them and be separate. There he goes, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So, you know, we all read these scriptures from time to time, but to put it in a practical reality, the book of Leviticus, uh, where um, the Lord was referring to his people back then, he said, Thus shall ye separate the children of Israel from their uncleanliness, that they die not. So it's, uh, it was pretty straightforward back in those days, uh, that they die not in their uncleanliness when they defile my tabernacle that is amongst them. So it's very straightforward back then. But um, I just thought I'd pick out a couple of stories for you tonight, just dealing with this issue of separation. One was a um, great story back in the, the book of Ruth. So if you'd like to turn to the book of Ruth, just in verse 1. There's just a young lady... Ruth, she was a Moabitess. The the Moabites was the son of Lot. And if you if you think about the the background of the Moabites, uh, Balak was the king of the Moabites, and he was the one that um, employed uh, Balaam to speak or prophesy against the children of Israel. And you all know that story. It's, uh, and then when you go further down in in the history of the the Old Testament, when Nehemiah was went in to construct or reconstruct the wall of Jerusalem. Um, it was Sambalat the Moabite that was one of the biggest opposition to him. So they were sort of painful people, you know. And um, this Ruth the Moabite came from these people. And the story starts in chapter 1 in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to live there in the, in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was uh, Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, uh, Malon and Chilon, um, Ethrites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came to the country of Moab and continued there. And he died, that's Naomi's husband, and her two sons. They'd married uh, two ladies uh, of the Moabites, and uh, one of which was called Ruth. Before I go too much into this issue of separation, I think what we've got to realise here when we start talking about these, this particular character, this lady Ruth, and this, the other gentleman, uh, um, Joseph in the Old Testament, they had this incredible relationship with the Lord. And that's the big thing when it comes to separation because we've all 
we've all gone through it in some way. Uh, you know, we, we separate from a family, and in some cases, uh, in our workplace, we've been completely separated, almost isolated. You know, in, in our schoolyard, or I've been to school for a while for a few years, but um, you know, it would, it's always it's never easy. It's never easy to be separate. But we see here with this woman Ruth that she was a Moabite, and and she'd uh, been obviously brought up in the, the traditions and the family, and uh, you know, just the lifestyle. And uh, she chose to follow the law. That's the the thing. She separated herself from everything that she'd brought up that existed in her life to come to follow the Lord, whatever it took. And we have a an example of her desire to follow the Lord, to be walking with the Lord. And uh, I guess we're all separate. In, in that point of view, it's, it's a one-to-one, isn't it? You know, it's you and the Lord. That's really what it's all about here tonight. I mean, we're all joined together here as a, as a church, as a body of Christ, but really... When we stand before the Lord, it's just it's you and the Lord. That's what really, really counts here. And sometimes it takes this commitment, like Ruth, we read here in verse verse 16 of chapter 1. So what happened? Her husband died, her father-in-law died, her brother-in-law died, and Naomi, the mother here, or the mother-in-law, she said, look, Ruth, uh, go back. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. And Ruth turns back and um, she says here in verse 15, Naomi says, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. And uh, I remember my parents came over here, and they immigrated from the UK. It was a completely different life left all their rallies, you know, as a lot of them did back there, the pioneers, and they came over and they, they just left it all behind and it hit an incredibly tough, hard life. And it's a bit like that with you and I at times. We come to the Lord and it's like, you know, you had no idea, but you just wanted to follow the Lord. That's all you wanted. You, you, you had this incredible revelation of Jesus Christ and that's all you wanted. You just wanted to follow the Lord and and... and in thus doing, you separated yourself from just about everything else. And, uh, so then we go briefly through her story here, not to spend too much time because I've got this other character to speak about, but Ruth chapter 2 in verse 10. And then she meets this guy, Boaz. Um, so she's come back to Bethlehem uh, with Naomi and she meets up with this man, Boaz. And uh, it says, She fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto this man Boaz, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? So within her thinking, she said, Well, you know who I am. I'm a Moabite. 
So why are you taking notice of me? And Boaz answered in verse 11 and said to her, It has fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law, this is Naomi, since the death of thine husband, and how that thou hast left thy father and mother and the land of thy nativity and art come to a people which thou knewest not heretofore. And uh, the Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given unto thee, unto thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So it's like almost prophesying what she then had come to represent, all the promises of God. And it's the same to you. You know, you've forsaken your, your lives, your understanding, your thinking, your people, and you've come to trust in the Lord. And all the promises in the Word of God are for you now. And that's what Boaz is saying here. And if you like to go through to now Ruth chapter 4, verse 13, just to sort of wrap it up in her life, it says, So Boaz, this, this guy that she'd met, took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into, under her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said to Naomi, this is the mother-in-law, to Ruth, Blessed be the Lord, which has not left thee this day without a kinsman, uh, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for thy daughter-in-law, which loved thee. And I, I suppose there it is. This Ruth saw something in her mother-in-law that she really loved, and she grasped hold of. And it says here, and uh, which is better to thee than seven sons that has borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it on her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbours, gave it a name saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. And he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And he goes on to go through the uh, the generations and... Uh, you see, then Ruth becomes engrafted into this incredible lineage uh, associated with the great King David. And it's the same with you and I. We become engrafted in to the lineage of Christ. This is an amazing reality that uh, what's happened to you and I. Because we've chosen to follow the Lord. It's, it's very important that we remain separate unto the Lord. You know, like... Samson was a Nazarite unto the Lord and then he had to remain separate in a lot of ways. So we go on to the next uh, little story. Um, it always this, this Ruth woman always rem reminds me of Barbara and Rose from Elizabeth. It's, it's, they came out of... There were two kids living on their own, you know, and uh, just basically forsaken. And they came to the Lord and they took hold of it and today when you see them, you think, wow. And we've got their, their brother who's just come along. It's quite amazing, you know. And uh, Peter, who's um, he's got five little girls. So uh, get to know him and bring him in, welcome him in and uh, show him the love of God that uh, obviously Naomi showed to Ruth and they just follow. That's, that's the secret. There's where it lies, that, just that love of the brother. So have a look in... Um, now, Genesis chapter 37. This is the story of Joseph. 
You know, Joseph, when you, the guy with the, the coat of many colors, as uh, we read about in, the, in, in Sunday school years ago, Genesis 37 will start it. So just to put you in the picture here, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and you would imagine that. Years later, you end up with this little lad, so he's your favorite. He made him a coat of many colors, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably under him. So, unfortunately for Joseph, in verse 5, he dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he goes on to explain the dream to them, and they just couldn't stand him after that. So um, so there, there's an introduction to how his dad felt about him and the, the brethren, all his brothers just, just didn't want him, didn't want to work uh, because they, they despised him, they were jealous of him, particularly when his, uh, his dad made him this coat of many colours. So we'll just pick it up in uh, verse 18. It says, and so Joseph's looking for his brothers. They're out there in the paddock somewhere attending to the sheep. He goes out and he's a young lad, they think around about 17 years old, and um, he tries to find them and he found them in Dotham, verse 18. He says, And when they, his brothers, saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they said, They conspired against him to slay him, their own brother. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Uh, Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, some evil beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, this the, the oldest, and uh, he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was come to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colours that was with him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And he goes on, and, and a company of Ishmaelites come, slave traders, and they basically sold their brother into slavery. So there was a separation that took place with Joseph and the rest of his family. He was sold into slavery for a period of, uh, well, 14 or 15 years or something like that. He was about 30 years old when they came to meet Joseph once again. So he was sold for 20 pieces of silver, sold into slavery. It wasn't a good time for Joseph. He was on his own. He was his father's favourite, and he gets sold by his brothers as a slave. And it, and it was a, certainly when we, we look at the description in, in Psalms, he was put into shackles, and he had a tough time. You kind of think, well, I've come to the Lord, I'm my, my dad's favourite child, and here I am, I'm suffering like a slave. And I was, I've been uh, sort of sold by my own family. He was separated by this hatred and this jealousy and he, he suffered the consequences. He was, 
he spent time in prison as you as you go to read the story. He was falsely accused and all this sort of stuff. He uh, interpreted the, the dreams of the uh, the baker and the butler, which came to pass. And even then, he wasn't recognised. He wasn't, uh, you know, nobody said or did anything until such time that Pharaoh had this dream, and uh, he was pulled out of prison eventually to interpret the dreams. And uh, we pick it up at a time when he's raised up by Pharaoh himself. There's a famine in the land by that time. It's part of the interpretation of the dream of Pharaoh. So um, he was then raised up by Pharaoh to be the two I see in, uh, in Egypt. We re- pick it up in uh, chapter 45, Genesis 45, verse 1. So eventually his brothers come to seek food because there's a famine in the land. Joseph has given this incredible job promotion and um, he's the boss. He becomes the father almost of, of Pharaoh. It says, and then Joseph meets up with his, his family again, his brothers. And it says here, and Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by and he cried, and caused every man to go out from me. And, and there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known to his brethren. So they, would, they didn't recognize him, of course. He would have been dressed up in the form of an Egyptian. But Joseph knew who they were. And uh, if you would have been betrayed by your brothers into slavery, it wasn't easy for him. It wasn't easy at all. So we're going to look at Psalm, the reference in Psalms in a minute. And it wasn't a good time for Joseph. How would you have felt, you know, those years of thinking about, you know, what they'd done to you and the way you'd been treated, you know, you'd been sold and sold out. And yet we find here in verse 3, And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren couldn't answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. All of a sudden, after all this time, he's alive. And he's in this incredible position of power, and their lives now were on the line. And Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. So obviously this is an incredible understanding of the plan of God. And that is what's required by you, is that you need to understand the plan of God and uh, what's coming and your commission and your relationship with the rest of this world. You know, they're going to sell you out every time, but you need to understand what your calling is. It says... For these two years has the famine been in the land. Seven years of famine, by the way. So they're in the first two years. And yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing or a harvest. God has sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house, and the ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. 
It says, Haste ye, go up to my father and say to him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down and, it, and tarry not. And he goes on, but his attitude was incredible. His understanding of who he was. And he was acknowledged by God. God had gave him a commission to go out and, and go through all this, why he went into slavery, why he was delivered by his brethren. But he, he's saying here, hang on a minute, you've got to look at the bigger picture. This is the reason why I had to go through all this. Psalms 105. So he was separated to God for incredible deliverance of his people. And yet it was his very people that he delivered that forsook him in the first place. Psalms 105. Verse 17. It goes on to say, he said, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. So he wasn't just sold as a slave. It says they bound him, you know, and he was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him, and the king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance, to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came unto Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. So there was incredible deliverance here of God's people. And, uh, but at the appointed time, the Lord raised up Joseph and made him the victor. And it's the same promise that you have with your God. There is an appointed time when the Lord's going to return and he's going to raise you up to be with him forever, to rule and reign with him. It's not going to be this bondage, you know. There is a certain bondage we have to go through, the trials, the tribulations, the forsaking of our, our own family in some situations, you know, and uh, it's a hard thing, the separation aspect, but it's a real thing, and the rewards are beyond your imagination if we can understand our calling or our relationship with the Lord. Just in closing, the aspect of separation, this is important, what we're going to right now. When it talks about separation, it's just Romans chapter 8, you know this off by heart, most of you, but it's, it's a good one. And it's very, very needful. You, you really hang on to these scriptures. You really need to hang on. It says, who? Who shall separate us from the love of God? You know, you've come to the Lord now, and it's all wonderful. It says, but then tribulation comes. It says, shall tribulation or distress, you know, or persecution, what happens when... People start having a go at you because of your your relationship with the Lord. You know, your love toward the Lord. This new beginning, this new, I guess this, this new way of life that you come into. This is uh, nakedness or peril or sword. Is As it is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. So the Lord's given us the Holy Spirit that we might be able. He's given us that comfort, you know, that we might be still and see the salvation of the Lord. This is in, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him 
that loved us is, is Naomi loved Ruth. You know, as the Lord loved Joseph there when he was in jail, just meditating on what had happened. You know, this incredible betrayal by his family. It says in verse 38, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate you and I from the Lord. You know, we, we've got to hang on now to what we've found, to whom we've become, the, the Holy Ghost that's within, that's now separated us from the rest of this world. It says, Neither height, depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and all. Jesus said. 